Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan recap the Twins' three-game series against the Kansas City Royals. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. We come together once again, Dan, after you have returned from your trip into the wilderness, and we come to celebrate a twin sweep. Can you believe it? Well, against the Royals, I can believe it. I'm not sure against (laughs) anybody else. Maybe the Tigers? Is that about all the Twins can do as far as sweeps go? Seems about right, yeah. But so I was actually, uh, I was able to go to the game, uh, game two uh, on Tuesday night. And did you know this, Dan? They switched the dollar dog days from Wednesday to Tuesday. You, it was a pleasant surprise, right? It was. It was. I feel terrible today uh, after pounding as many hot dogs as I could as I was spending money on the kiddos ice cream. But uh, it was like every booth had a dollar hot dog. I had to stop, you know? You know, back in the day, that used to be like the biggest night. They would draw twenty five, thirty thousand to the metronome. Terrible teams because you could only, you know, you could pay a dollar and get a hot dog. Yeah, well, see, here's the thing though. Don't you remember that they would like sell out pretty early of those dollar dogs? I do. You do. have memory of that? No, I, I do. You had to be quick, like within yeah. the third inning or something like that, and they'd Th- be that's gone. That's what I'm saying. So my kid made it to the sixth before asking for ice cream. That's not exactly true. She started asking in like the fourth, and I was like, hang on, hang on, just you know, hang on, I'll get there. Sure, sure. So then in the sixth, I finally went. And they still had the dollar dogs. I don't know. They must have upped that quantity, but I'm a fan. Anyway, point. can I, oh. can I, t- I wanted to talk a couple things because you guys mentioned me in my absence. I was at a Rockies game in Colorado. Yeah. I got to sit next to a wonderful woman. I call her the baseball grandmother. I never even learned her name, David. I don't know her name. I don't know much about her except for her feelings about the shift, which she hates banning the shift, loves that the team should be able to shift. They should be doing whatever they want. Great appreciation of history. We talked about Larry Walker. We talked about Nolan Arenado, the former Rocky who was up. Anyway, for the Cardinals, it was fun. Are you a How I, how I Met Your Mother kind of person? Yeah, I watched it once, but I would feel no need to go back and watch it all Well, again. I'm going to tell you one thing. So there's a bit in that show where Ted, the main guy, he has this evening with this woman. He doesn't even know her name. He ends up being Victoria, and they just want to hold that moment together like in their mind forever as this perfect moment, that is my relationship with this grandmother, right? I'll never see her again, and that memory will never be tainted. You know what, I'm not even sure where to go uh, with that. (laughs) But anyway, uh, back to baseball. Twins are currently sitting a half game back in the Central. It's kind of nice they had a day game today because the Guardians still have to play the Tigers this evening. So then you can tune into that and hopefully uh, cheer for some uh, some Tiger victory. As we always are, right? Wouldn't it, we, we said at the beginning of the year we thought the Tigers were going to be good, and now this is their chance to show that. Anyway, David, enough about grandmothers, enough about hot dogs. Let's talk about three great Twins wins. Series Recap. Game one here, Dan. Twins win this one 4-2, to two, and they really win it on the backs of Joe Ryan and Caleb Thielbar, I will argue, were the most important people in this game. So Ryan goes five and a third, gives up two earned runs, but six strikeouts. I mean, getting into the sixth inning, not too bad, but he was he was in a jam. Thielbar comes in and cleans up the mess, and then the rest of the bullpen does its job, goes Jax, Duran, and then Lopez to close it out. Caleb Theobar has been really good, really since kind of 
April. I mean, he went on the injured list, I believe, and then he came back, and he's been really good since then, and he was big in, in the rest of the series, too. Nice to see the bullpen go as it should. Jax, Duran, Lopez. I still can't believe I'm including Jax in that, but there he is with a sub-4 ERA, and he's been one of the more reliable guys out of the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, on the offensive side of the ball, surprisingly, Max Kepler leading the way with three hits. So I think he was uh, listening to last podcast because we ripped into him a little bit and we talked about how many toes a guy needs to be successful, Dan. All of them. I think, well, you were on a technicality, kind of annoying, David, if I may. Five toes on each foot. Yes, you have 10 toes normally. I get that. But no, the Twins were great. I mean, they did this with Arise, Correa, Buxton, Miranda, Polanco. What a great top of the lineup. And then when you can have Kepler finally respond, go three for four, um, and get some hard hits, not just ground balls. I was tired of him just hitting ground balls during that, what, 0 for 28 slump he was in? Well, yeah, and always, always into the shift on the right side of the infield. And I don't know, they talked, Dan Gladden talked on the radio cast about how maybe his hands were kind of in a different position. I will say this, coming home seems like you have maybe a little bit more time to be able to work on some of those things and, and maybe just being back at target field, being kind of in that friendly confines, that normal place. And somebody else has pointed this out. Kepler does play a very good right field, especially yeah. at target field, which is a tricky right. So while I would rather him have more games like this and fewer of the 0 for 4s, I do at least like having him back in the outfield. Well, especially knowing what your other options are, right? Like that definitely <laughs> right. plays a part. Right. Like, do we want Jake Cave out there? I mean, maybe Celestino at this point, I think I'd prefer to have playing outfield. Yeah. So the other play I wanted to mention. So when Lopez is in the game to close it out, and so he's got a save opportunity, twins are up four to two. He gives up a hit to left center and Buxton tries to make a play on the ball. And really this ball's a single all the way. Like if Byron Buxton can't get there, nobody can get there. But Buxton dives for it. And I would say in a two-run game in the bottom of the ninth inning, you can keep a guy to a single and keep the double play in order. I don't think you dive there. I didn't love that Buxton dove for that ball. Well, and it's, they have a bit of recent history, right? All he has to do is look to his right and notice, oh yeah, this kind of happened a couple nights ago with Nick Gordon. Yes, exactly. So I was a little bit disappointed that there wasn't a little bit more awareness of what was happening in that moment. Like, yeah, it would have been a great play. And Rocco made a point after the Gordon play, like we talked about last episode, you know, if he makes that catch, we're all slapping hands and we're saying that, oh, this is a great play, great idea. But in this instance specifically, I really think that Buxton should have taken a moment, thought, you know what, I'm not going to get there. It's just not worth it in that moment. And we should mention, too, he gets bailed out by Tim Beckham, of all people, playing first base yeah. late when Polanco went out. Um, so a rise moved to second. And then Beckham starts a double play, hitting Correa. I thought Correa made a courageously good play there to throw the ball. I, he can't have thrown that ball when Beckham was even on the base yet. Like he, I think he threw it before Beckham was even positioned. Yeah, it was a very, it was a very trusting play, certainly. Like I was expecting Lopez to be the one making the catch or even, even a rise if he had gotten over there. So credit to those guys. That was a close play at first, too. I think if he had been called safe, I don't know that they changed that play. No, I agree. All right, well, let's go on to game two, a much more comfortable win for the Twins. Yeah, you know, the thing is, though, it wasn't really comfortable until the seventh inning, right? Like, the Twins were only up three to zero, and three to zero with this team, with the bullpen, especially, you know, pre-trade deadline, obviously, that's kind of a scary place to be, up to, up three zero. Like, I'd rather be up three zero than down three zero, obviously, but you're far from comfortable. But the Twins continue to lay on the hits, score a few more runs, three in the seventh, three in the eighth, for a 9-0 victory, which is so funny. Hoax was just saying last episode, When's the last time we've just had a very comfortable Twins are going to win this one by a ton of runs? There you go, Hogs. It's gifted to you. Well, and to your point, so Sonny Gray pitches six very good innings. He gets into trouble in the seventh. So even though his line says six innings pitched, he did start the seventh. But then Thielbar had to come in with two guys on, 
gets out of the jam. And, and like you said, it was only a 3 nothing game at that point. And here's the thing. Gray, after the game, was a little bit upset about being pulled. We'll talk about that in a second. But honestly, even the outs that he was getting in the fifth inning, the ball was coming off pretty healthily off the bats of the Royals at that point. Right. And I was I was thinking, as I was listening to last episode, when you guys talked about all these stats about you know the third time through the batting order, it feels like the Twins pitchers never get to face a team third time through the batting order. And here again, they did. And, and I guess... To, to the point of the statistics and to the point of the metrics and things like that, he really did have trouble that third time through. You know, and all around the team, everybody had a good night, it seemed, offensively. But obviously the standouts, Urshela goes four for five and Arise goes three for five. Would have been four for five. As of his hit, I think it was in the eighth inning, they, they called it a hit and then it got turned into an error after the fact. Another four-hit game would have been pretty... pretty. I would have loved that for my Puckett's picks. I'm getting a little ahead of myself there, too. But yes, I mean, the lineup looked good. Buxton DH, but he had a couple of hits. Miranda had three. Gordon had a couple. Celestino even... Well, Sandy Leon didn't have a hit, but he had a crucial RBI, David. Yeah, crucial. Sandy Leon, what can the guy not do, Dan? Sack, bunt? Are you kidding me? That was pretty fun. We've seen so many bunts lately from this team, led by Sandy Leon, the new guy. So that's the funniest thing. So he's been on this team less than any other player, and he's tied for the most sack bunts with two. Gordon and Celestino each have two as well. So they win this game 9 nothing, And then, David, they're going for a sweep. And I thought, please, finally get a sweep in some comfort. It's been so long, David, since a three-game sweep. Yeah, it's fun. You know, I keep track of the, the wins and losses with pen and paper. Like, I have a schedule, and then I mark the wins and losses, right? Because you have to. That's just a thing to do. Of course. And t- to just be able to write three W's, Dan, in a row, <laughs> it's been so long since I've been able to do that. Well, the Twins do get their first three-game sweep since, actually, they swept the Royals back in May uh, with a 4 nothing victory here. And and in, to your point about Game 2, this one actually almost felt more comfortable the way that the game flow went because the Twins were up three runs through two innings, and then they added another run in the fourth. And the Royals rarely, rarely threatened here. They actually were 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position. Yeah, it, it was one of those things where it really felt comfortable. It got a little bit scary, though, because uh, Tyler Malley had to come out of the game uh, with right shoulder inflammation. Hopefully that's not going to be a big deal. But then Pagan comes in. <laughs> Did like, you ever? Do you ever have any doubts when Emilio Pagan enters the game, David? I mean, come I on, have, the I guy have, is a lockdown reliever. I have nothing but doubts, Dan. Nothing but <laughs> doubts when Pagan comes in. But Pagan goes two innings, doesn't give up any runs, throws thirty-five pitches, and like I'm like I'm on Twins Twitter. I'm like. Did he become a length guy? Like, what? what's happened here with Pagan? Someone had posited the idea that, oh, they're just using up his arm and then they're going to cut him tomorrow. Like, that was their plan of action here. Well, I don't think they're going to cut him quite yet, especially after this performance. But here's the thing. So Rocco was asked after the game about Malley and how much he could have given him. And he basically said he had to give us a couple innings at least. We kind of knew he wasn't great, but he didn't think they could have done a full bullpen game. So they do get at least the seven outs from Malley. Pagan comes in even with mid-count, which those positions never can be comfortable, I imagine, for a pitcher or for a batter. Should be noted, after Pagan, Jax comes in. He gets five outs on 12 pitches, Dan. That's a pretty good ratio. Very efficient. In fact, again, the bullpen was fantastic. This whole series didn't give up a run at all the entire series. 
Yeah, and you know, I'm not even really concerned about Mally. Like, even if he has to go on the IL because Dobnik started a rehab start, he'll be good <laughs> oh. to go. And it's the same pitcher, Dan. Same pitcher. Obviously, especially because once you thrive at the Fort Myers Rec League, I mean, that translates perfectly up to the majors, just like we saw with Miguel Sano. I believe it's called the Florida Coastal League. Uh, let's let's give it the respect it deserves. My my apologies. Um, a couple other notes here. There was a Brent Rooker sighting in this series, which. You could be forgiven, Twins fans, if you have forgotten who Brent Rooker is. He was traded initially, actually, to get Emilio Pagan, so he was a padre. And then he was, I think, traded or released, or he somehow ended up with the Royals. There might have been another team in the middle there. But man, Brent Rooker had kind of two, I wouldn't call them both bonehead plays, but he had one play where Celestino, it's, he's coming around in the second inning, and the throw to second base is wide, and Celestino is on his wheels. Like, it looks like he's trying to score almost immediately. And the ball gets to Brent Rooker out and left. And he just, rather than like trying to gun him down at home, he just kind of like <laughs> flicks the ball back into the infield. Okay, we have to talk about this because Tommy Watkins sends Celestino home. This is what's so funny to me. I'm watching this play transpire and I can see, you can see it from the camera angle. You can see Watkins sending him home. The ball is in Rooker's hands already. Like Rooker <laughs> has gotten to the overthrow. And all I'm thinking is he's going to be out and it's not even going to be close. It's, and I'm like, how, 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 Dan Thompson, is this even possible that Tommy Watkins knew that Brent Rooker wasn't even going to attempt a throw home? Is his arm broken? Like, that is the only way that this makes any sense. Because if there's anybody competent in left field in that instance, they throw home and they get Celestino by a couple of feet, I'd say. I think it's Tommy Watkins just doing good advanced scouting work. I think he just knew it was coming. He knew that something about Brent Rooker that we didn't. So good on Tommy Watkins. It's also possible that Celestino was just going to go anyway, and Watkins was not going to get in the way of that train. And honestly, it would have been actually easier to get him out had Celestino put on the brakes and come back to third the way that Rooker threw. Maybe that's what he thought he was going to do. Could have been. I don't know. It was a messed up play. I don't think Celestino should have been sent and Rooker should have thrown home, but whatever. It all worked out. The Twins got a run out of it. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go, sir, into our Puckets picks. Touch him all, Kirby Puckett's Picks winner. I don't want to do this, Dan. I don't want to do this. This is great, My David. Goodness. I win. I'm back even with you. 14-14-9 on the season standings. That's me and David and then the listeners. I win this one. I'm just going to take it, David. I will, I'm will. i going to enjoy this victory. I guess I don't even get to give the standings. Typically, Dan, it's sort of like an honor system in golf. But, you know, you do you, man. You do you. <laughs> I will because Ryan's got me seven points. Buxton, for you, had two. Correa, for the listeners. Hoag's was not on point here with Cray. He should have stuck with Miranda. I think Miranda would have had 12 or 13 points had he been the pick, but he wasn't. Luisa Rise wins. I will, though, David, let you give the season point standings. See, I don't think I should have to. <laughs> I, I just really don't feel this should fall to me. But so Dan has 201 points scored. I have 171 points scored, and the listeners have 153 points scored. Looking forward to it, David. I know you like to brag about picking a rise. You're three for three with a rise. I'm four for eight with a rise. For that matter, the listeners are four for nine. So there's something about picking Luis rise that just makes a lot of sense. It does. So I do want to say, too, I had a couple of people reach out, actually, asking about the Puckets Picks rules because we haven't covered that in quite some time. Just so people understand, each series, we all choose a player that we think is going to perform well in the next series. And then they score points based on how they perform. So it's one point per base, one point per RBI, one point per stolen base. And then you get negative points for strikeouts, grounding into double plays and errors. That's how it works if you're curious. So if you want to track the scores yourself, you can kind of follow along. So each time the listeners obviously get the first pick every time. And then whoever lost between Dan and I gets the next pick. 
That's a good. That was a good reminder, David. Thank you for that. Sometimes <laughs> I even forget what the rules are. All right. Well, let's. Yet here you are bragging about a victory. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> Anything I can get. Let's uh, let's go to Beast versus Bench. Beast versus Bench. Is losing fun. Is losing fun. So speaking of Miranda, Dan, I got to give him the Beast moniker. I just think that kid. Every time he's at the plate, it just seems like he's going to get a hit. He's like he's got more power than a rise. But he also seems to get a hit as often. I mean, clearly that's not the case, but he has that sort of quality where he has really good bat to ball skills. Yeah, I was looking at the rookie stats so far, and I know Julio Rodriguez in Seattle is probably the runaway winner of the AL Rookie of the Year. I, I get that. And Bobby Witt, actually, Bobby Witt Jr. of the Royals is up there too. But here's a stat that I'll throw back at you. So Miranda is third now in among rookies in the majors in RBI, but he's got maybe two thirds of the at bats of Julio Rodriguez and Bobby Witt Jr. So I think if we had seen a whole season of Miranda, and I just wonder how that how voters will factor that in because he's been really excellent since he came up. And, and I do want to say, too, I'm not picking Thielbar, even though I kind of wanted to, just because I didn't want to get yelled at by Hoags. I mean, Thielbar was a big deal, though. I mean, he had two bold innings, but he's not who I'm going to pick. I'm actually going to go with Nick Gordon, which I know a lot of guys played really well this series. Why are you making that face? Nick Gordon had I- a great series. I suppose, like if you're if you're grading him on the on the Nick Gordon curve, certainly I agree he's the pick. Oh, okay, you mean Nick Gordon, the guy who who the guy who will be a starting? I think he's going to start somehow for this team next year. But he has a hit in every game of this series. His batting average. Well, so does David, like every other player, Dan. It's not <laughs> like he was the only one who did that. I, I know, but he's batting two seventy six this year. I think he's playing pretty well in the outfield, all things considered. I think he's he's becoming a better fielder over time. And I just felt like he didn't leave guys on base very much. He, he I mean, it was here and there, but it wasn't quite like the guy you're going to talk about. I think here in your uh, in your bench slot. Yeah, so I am going to give it to Kepler. I mean, game one was great to see him sort of have a bounce back game and perform really well. However, in games two and three, it's sort of like Kepler reverted to what we've seen him do as of late. So he went 0 for 5 in game two and left nine guys on base. And then in game three, he went 1 for 3, he got a hit. But my goodness, I hope that it wasn't just a fluke, that he had a really good game. And I hope he at least gets to some form of at least a decent average and consistency and not these long stretches of hitless, hitless games. Yeah, I really wanted to pick anybody else, but I just couldn't. I mean, there's really nobody else who had a poor game and I can't even go to my go to relief reliever bin. Right? I really have to stick with Max Kepler. I mean, you could give it to Pagan just to give it to Pagan, I suppose. <laughs> I'm not giving it to Pagan. He got a win. He scattered those three hits pretty dang well. Yeah, look at him go four and six with a four point eight seven ERA, and you know Ideal. what? Those six losses Ideal. are all blown saves. Oh, each one stings quite a bit. But then again, Taylor Rogers has struggled. So people who want Taylor Rogers instead, be careful what you wish for. Yeah, well, let's see. Uh, let's keep going. Rocco's rewind in. Rocco's rewind. So I think I was on this train my last episode, but come on, Cole Sands for one inning out of the bullpen in Game Two. What is going on? Why isn't he, first of all, couldn't he have come in earlier? Like, the Twins are up. He, he could have pitched the 8th and the ninth, right? He's supposed to be the length guy, David. What's going on? It does seem a bit odd, especially hindsight looking at Game 3. How nice would it have been had he been able to come in in Game 3 in the third inning and give you three innings? Like, well, okay. it, it does seem like a really weird use. And especially if they know that Tyler Malley is having maybe some shoulder issues. Save yeah. Cole Sands. You're up 9 nothing. That is the spot if you want to bring McGill in, which, I mean, he pitched great. He hit 100 a couple times, but, like, I, that made no sense to me. Yeah, it, it does seem like an odd choice and, and just weird usage, especially, like you said, if they did know that Malley was having issues. What do you got? Yeah, so in the postgame interview uh, after Gray's outing where Gray pitched really well, he was upset about being pulled early, and he had sort of 
alluded to the idea that he hadn't come across this before, where teams were pulling guys their third time through the order. But here's the thing. I mentioned this earlier. It really, really looked like the Royals had a beat on And it seemed as though they were making good contact and you let the first two guys on in the seventh inning. What do you want them to do in that instance? Like you gotta, you gotta do something. And I think pulling them at that point was the right call. I do like the idea of leaving him out there because you got to generate those stats in some way. I don't I don't think that's a big deal. But yeah, I don't think he could be upset. He was in a jam in a game that they really not that they needed to have. But you, you want to win every possible game you can here down the stretch. It just seems like it, I can understand why he would be upset, but I'd understand it more if he wasn't allowed to go out into the seventh, right? Right. Like, you were given the opportunity. Right. The first two guys got on. That's sort of on you at that point. That's not exactly. on Rocco. Exactly. Well, let's go into our, our Minnesota moment. Minnesota moment. So we just sort of mentioned this, but Thielbar's outings in game one and game two, I'm sort of giving two moments here, but I couldn't pick him as my beast just because I thought that Miranda was more deserving. But my goodness, Dan, without Caleb Thielbar, I don't know that they sweep this series. I don't think that they do. And he has looked, again, we said this before, he's looked so good. But to have a lefty out of the pen who throws the way that he does with with a very deceptive curveball and a fastball that, I mean, they, they look so much like you can tell by the way that the hitters are swinging and missing. They don't know what's coming at them. No, and I do have to say, so especially on Tuesday night when I was there, he warms up quick. <laughs> like as soon as that second hit one, he wasn't even up yet. And he got, he stood up, got that sweater off. And then the twins did that thing that everybody kind of hates where they use a mound visit and then they go back and then they come back out again. And it's like, oh, sorry about that, everybody. Even even the home fans, you could just hear sort of the groan of like, are you kidding me here? But you know what? Whatever works, as long as the twins fans get the win that they want. Um, I'm going to look at game one here. So the twins were down in this game, two nothing early. And then they kind of scrapped their way back in. And it was in the fifth inning. I'm actually going to go with Polanco's sacrifice fly of all things. And, and it's kind of that whole inning because the twins were moving, taking the extra base here and there. And Polanco just did. He was the first pitch. And he just hits a a solid deep fly ball, and it just felt like okay, yeah, they maybe yeah, it wasn't a hit with runners in scoring position, but they were finally doing those things we have not seen them do in extra innings over the last couple games. It feels like we're just scoring a run when you just need a run. You don't need three runs there; you need just a couple, and that was fine. Yeah, I mean, Hoag's texted that he felt it was the piranhas have returned. And, and go figure. I mean, they need to be able to move the base runners around just a little bit. They cannot approach every game like they're going to get four or five run innings all the time. One or two or three here and there, especially when you're playing the Royals, like that should be enough. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead, I guess, and ask some questions here, David. Mauer's Musings. I just don't know how it can get any better. Mauer's Musings. Well, so now I feel like my question, the way that this episode has gone, Dan, it's not even a question for you, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> Right now, we have sort of an interesting issue as far as the outfield is concerned. Kepler obviously isn't at 100%, and Buxton is really playing in the outfield. He averages one and a half games out of three, we'll say, in the outfield. Right. So you have to figure out what you're doing in your outfield. And the two guys who have been featured the most are are Nick Gordon and Ilberto Celestino. So, Dan, if you could only keep one of those, regardless of the pitching matchup, who would you prefer to play left field? I mean, Celestino has been hitting a couple home runs lately, so I guess I'll give him that. But I have to go with Nick Gordon, positionally flexible Nick Gordon. Like, he can play shortstop when Correa doesn't feel like it. He can play left. He can play center. He's played some right. Like, I love Nick Gordon right now. He's arguably the Twins' most important player after maybe four or five guys. And he's been fan. (laughs) (laughs) You had me in the first half there, Dan. I was just about about to go off there, Mr. Thompson. (laughs) Oh, well, what would you so do? Would you, would you rather have Celestino? 
I don't know. I feel like I'm getting. I feel like I have to say Celestino just so I can prove that you haven't brainwashed me into this Nick Gordon fan club that you seem to be the head of. <laughs> but here's a, like why why are you afraid to pick Nick Gordon here? I guess I just feel that Celestino still has more potential. But like you said, I mean Gordon is proving himself to be a little bit more consistent. I still don't buy that he's going to be a starter on this team long term. But you seem to be like that's that's just the inevitable. I just think they he might. Thanos. I think they might need him to play shortstop for a couple months next year until Royce Lewis is back. I think that's what's going to happen. Well, hang on, no, hang on. Assuming no. Carlos I, Correa does for, not does not come to stand, back to stand up for hoax. Correa is here long term, baby. <laughs> it's just going to be yearly contracts for the rest of his career. If that's if that's the case, then Nick Gordon could play left field for all those contracts for a fraction of the cost. Maybe they could be a package deal, right? You can get Correa and Gordon on the same contract because because again, Correa loves his teammates. He's always looking out for them. Okay, Dan, what do you have for us? I I, I can't believe I'm asking this question, but is Sandy Leone the best catcher the Twins have right now? And are we okay with that? Yes, he is. <laughs> and I don't even think like like one. Sonny Gray said how much he loved throwing to Leon. And secondly, he seems to get the hits that he needs to in the moments that matter. And not even hits. Like, just sack flies or moving runners over. He seems like the guy, for whatever reason. And honestly, how stupid do you have to feel if you're the Guardians for trading him to the team that desperately needs a backup catcher, the team that you're chasing in the AL Central, or you were at the time that you traded him? I, I I am flummoxed that they did that too because again I think you said it really well he yeah he's over three in game two but he has a key RBI he doesn't really make big mistakes and he throws out runners like I'm curious yes. to see how this plays out over the rest of the season and whether teams are a little bit more reluctant to run on Sandy Leone now I just think like what are they going to do with Ryan Jeffers when he comes back like is he going to be one of the extra guys that they that they call up in September when rosters expand by two could be it's hard to say like you do have to wonder. What happens next year? Like, I know we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but it is a question as far as the catching position is concerned. Can you imagine the Twins signing Sandy Leone to like a couple of year deal? He's like 500 and, and not in the best of shape. But my goodness, he seems to still be getting it done. He just seems like he's the guy you want for your backup catcher. And you would love for Sanchez or Jeffers to be the clear number one. They just haven't hit well enough. Certainly Sanchez lately. I know he had a home run last series. I think it was. But neither of those guys is standing up. And Sandy Leone is like, well, I'm here. Uh, I'll, I'll play catcher for you. Yeah, I, I still just can't get over that the Guardians traded him. So go figure. All right, well, let's grade the series, David. Happy days. Series grades. What else are we going to do? This is one of those moments, Dan, where I assume you'd give them like a B and give some philosophical reason for why they couldn't, uh, why they shouldn't get an A. But I'm giving them an A and it looks like you're giving them an A as well. I am. And, and we talk pre-production here, whether this team is a division winning team. And, and we should point out they're right there with the wild card, too. They're only, I think, a half game out at the time of recording here of the wild card. So I still maintain, I think, David, that the Twins and another team from the Central are going to get into the playoffs. I just think it's going to happen. I'm not sure. Maybe. Maybe. I'm I'm cheering for the Orioles at this point. I was going to buy an Orioles hat and then do it up, Dan. Go full tilt for the Orioles. Well, and, and good on them, right? Because the front office trades away some of their best players, and then the Orioles go and they win like five in a row or something like that. <laughs> I love it. Yes. So that's true. If it can't be a central team, if it can't be the Twins in the wild card, I want the Orioles. And how ironic would it be, actually? Because if the Twins win the division and the Orioles make it, it's probably the Orioles as that as that third wild card. And then, and then I think you couldn't wear that Orioles hat. No. Yeah. In those instances, obviously, I'd, I'd cheer for the Twins. And like, honestly, they, the whole AL thing, the only real time I'm cheering for the Orioles is when they're playing anybody but the twins but it should be noted too the yankees have lost like five series in a row 
or something like that. And it's like the first time they've lost that many in a row since 2005 or something. So you're telling me there's a there's a chance here, David? Is that what you're I'm saying? I'm telling Come you that when I, bring up the, when I bring up the Yankees on this podcast, it's to pr- show that they're <laughs> playing poorly. When you do it, it's like, we should talk about how good the Yankees are this season. Aaron Judge just seems like a nice guy. That's all I wanted to say about that. All right. Let's... You see one video of him giving a ball to a kid who was so excited about catching his... Well, he's a nice guy. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure that his PR team wasn't like, you know what we should probably do so that guys like Dan Thompson think that you're a nice guy. My goodness. Fans want an ejection. There it goes. And that was Gardy's gripe. Dan's, Dan's out there writing thank you cards to MLB players for being nice guys because he sees 30-second Twitter clips of them signing balls for kids. My it was goodness, like a minute Dan. and a half, David. It wasn't just 30 seconds. There's a whole video montage of that. You try to watch that without crying, David. I dare you. <laughs> okay, well, let's uh, let's keep going here, Dan. Herbie's headlines. I don't know, Jack. It looked like Herbeck pulled him off the back. Herbie's headlines. I feel like we just bled into the headline here, David, but um, but this is something that I think neither of us really care about, but I think it's actually still worth talking about. Is... It's a great headline because neither of us care. Wonderful. <laughs> well, it's the top 100 baseball prospects. So I don't know how baseball does this, right? But they, they grade every player who's a prospect still, and then they put them on one list. And so there you go. Francisco Alvarez for the Mets is number one. But a couple of things stand out here. So the Twins have three people on the list. Uh, the first one is at 33. It's Brooks Lee, who is the shortstop that they just took in the draft. Then Royce Lewis is technically still on here, which is this is why this is so confusing. Uh, he's at 61. And then down at 97, they have outfielder Emmanuel Rodriguez. So my question to you, David, how much should we care? Should we care more about this than we do? I think the only reason to care about this list is looking for guys who will be valuable on the trade market when you need to move guys. That's honestly, that's the only reason I see value in this list. Because for uh, for us, at least for me, in this part of my life, I can't spend hours watching minor league footage and like caring about these guys. I'm going to care about the Twins lineup. I'm going to care about who's a triple A. But beyond that, I'm not looking at guys who are in single and double A to figuring out five years from now if they're going to be a good player on the Twins. I think that's a really good point because this is actually where these players have like a a very quantifiable value in a trade. And I think it's good for the Twins. It it makes me think of the trade of like Spencer Steer, who is not on the top 100 list. Again, I don't know where he would be in the whole of baseball, but like they have a third baseman now in Jose Miranda. You don't need an extra third baseman prospect. And if you can move guys based on whatever this list says... Good on you if you're going to get a player who actually has played in Major League Baseball and has shown some success. All right, well, let's uh, let's go into Puckett's Picks here, sir. And we'll see you tomorrow Puckett's Picks. For the upcoming home series against the Rangers, I was hoping to make it to one of these games, but I don't see it happening. I might take the kiddo on Friday, but we'll have to see. But so anyway, the listeners are going to take Miranda, which obviously shouldn't come as a shock to anybody because the guy is just on a tear. So I don't know what to do. I can't go back to Correa. He just can't seem to get a victory for me. Buxton's too inconsistent. I got to go with Mr. Consistency. Then I'm going to go with Luis Arais. He did get me that seven points last time. That's kind of the golden number. It's like that is the that's basically the floor for Arise's seven points. So I, Polanco is is day to day right now with a knee strain. I'm always really skeptical about picking anybody. He didn't he didn't play in games two or three here. The Twins have a day off Thursday. I'm gonna go with Correa. I think he's a sure bet. He's playing a team that he knows pretty well in the Rangers, and he's not gonna get booed because he's at home. Well, I suppose that's that's not terrible logic, actually, Dan. That's all I got. I mean, I can't quite go with Gordon when Correa is there, so I, I'm gonna stick with Correa. 
Well, and it should be noted, too, this is their last off day for a super long time. Like, they are playing a lot of baseball games in a row here. And then last thing I want to note, we were just talking about prospects. Simeon Woods Richardson, who's a guy that the Twins got in the Barrios trade, was just promoted from double-A to triple-A. He's only 21 years old. And I just think a, a team that is, I think you're always kind of starved for starting pitching prospects. And a lot of the top guys that we thought were going to take the next step as starting pitchers this year really haven't, right? Jordan Belazovic, guys like this. Hopefully he's the guy who really comes through and makes this front office look pretty good in another trade of one of their star players. You're always hoping, right? You're always just hoping that you hit on a couple of those guys. And like you said, with pitching, it's all the more important. Well, David, it's been good to be back with you after a couple episodes where we haven't really been been together. And I will say one thing about the Rockies' grandmother. I know you guys teased me. You wondered where you ranked. I would rather watch a baseball game with you and Hoags, David, than the grandmother at Coors Field. Wonderful. I'm glad. I'm glad. I was worried there for a little bit. I was wondering where, how much further down the list could I get pushed in? <laughs> All right. I'm going to send us out, sir. Please do. Well, folks, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at Men for the Win. You can find our Men for the Win Facebook page. Our episodes are available on YouTube as well. Please subscribe to any of those places so that you're notified when new episodes are available. If you give us a like and a comment, that would be great. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Twins. That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins!